The church, the bride, is a redemptive community. We live not only the experience of redemption, I've been redeemed, I'm being redeemed, but also the works of redemption. God's using us to redeem others. That's why our mission is both words and works, speaking and doing redemption. And God gave his family important rhythms of life they were to get into that would remind them of his goodness and also show others what God was truly like, what living in God's ways would be like, and what kind of life it would produce for them. Does the way that we celebrate and drink and eat remind us of God's continued blessing in our life through Christ? And do we show our culture what it looks like to really party and celebrate under the Lord? Christians should be the most celebratory people in the world, in every neighborhood, in every city. This is a Life School Podcast, episode number 211. Welcome to the Life School Podcast, where each week you'll learn how to live with greater intentionality and an integrated faith that naturally fits into every area of life. This is the stuff that your parents, teachers, and pastors forgot to tell you. I'm Heath Hollinsby, here with your host, Caesar Kalinowski. Keith, my brothers, spring has sprung here. It is. The showers have shown up. Yeah, I'm glad because I just did some crazy amount of yard work, including some seeding and fertilizing and things. How oh, about nice. you? Like, are you, you got that yard all tightened up for the summer? Yeah, we're, we put a grass seed down. We actually dethatched the yard a couple weeks I did weeks that ago. too. Yeah, that's Dethatched and deplugged. See, I haven't deplugged. I need the to aerating thing. Yeah. It looks like goose poops all over the yard, right? <laughs> yeah. But I was told that's the jam. And then starter fertilizer seed. Yep. Like, and we can go into a bunch of spiritual analogies if you want to. Oh here. yeah, it's a whole episode <laughs> in itself. No, but I'm actually pretty stoked. Tina and I've been sort of high fiving each other every day because it's like the gardens are pretty much weeded. There's a yeah. couple of little trims here and there. All the fruit stuff is all you know trimmed and. Oh, you know, I love oh, I love hands on like dirt and oh, flowers. Yeah. One thing I thought about you the other day because most people don't know this about you, but you were like. You're a bird freak. Like you're a fanatic about birds. You love birds. You birds and it. flowers. Yeah. The older I get, I'm that old guy in the neighborhood. Oh, it's hey. awesome. But I actually, the other morning, <laughs> woke up to the sound of birds chirping, and I was like, it's been months since I woke up to the birds chirping. Yeah, it's crazy here. It's, it's like a bird sanctuary out oh, I love here it. right now. Seriously. Yeah. It's I mean, a good we're going to be talking about celebration today, so maybe we'll have to have an adult beverage and go out, because right about now, seriously, yeah, perfect. is when the giant, pileated, red-headed woody woodpeckers come. Oh, really? And they're, dude, they're giant. Oh, man. And they're like loud. Ha, ha, ha. It's like kind of like, ha, Are they ha, pecking ha. like, brr. They do that too. Yeah. This morning I was laying in bed and I heard, brr, brr. Like it sounds like a jackhammer. It's so awesome. It's so cool. Birds, man. Anyway. All right. Speaking of celebration, one of the things that I really love about our times together uh, and the community that we have via the Oikos family dinners or Cigars and Theology or the Team K family dinners is that it really is a fun group of people. Yeah. There always seems to be a reason to celebrate. Gospel's and, good news, right? Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. we do celebrate quite a bit. It's so different than the church world that I grew up in, where dancing and, and drinks and fun uh, was frowned upon. <laughs> yeah. And our appeal in this episode today is that we actually want to make a case that Christians actually should be the best people in the world at celebrating because we've been redeemed. And we get to live forever. How yeah. about that, right? Amazing. So yeah, so we're going to talk a lot today about celebrating uh, according to the gospel, like really partying it up hard. And God loves it, by the way. I just want to tell people up front, like if you're already prickling at this and going, oh yeah, but there's so many cultural abuses, everything's been culturally abused. Yeah, absolutely. Think about it. All sin is something that God created beautiful mm-hmm. and to show his glory that we've twisted and tweaked for our own glory and, and turned it into something ugly. Yeah. That's you're everything. Right. 
I mean, pick a topic, right? So if people are already bristling, like God loves it when we celebrate, hmm. and I, you can prove it in Scripture. <laughs> okay, so yeah, so we're gonna, all right? Just think about this, the creational order. We're created by God in His image, right? Three in one, right? Father, Son, Holy Spirit, we're created in that image to walk closely with Him and to manage and care for His creation, which includes each other, to bring wholeness, shalom, you know, the word, right, yeah. is used, um, with us, wherever we go, from God into everything we do. That's sort of the creational order. Be fruitful and multiply. Rule over things, but bring me, right? Yeah. Show the world what I'm like. And then God makes this covenant with his first family, right, called Israel, um, and, he, and he makes a covenant with them to, to live in, in even greater ways as a people who are now a kingdom of priests, hmm. set aside to represent him to the whole world. And he gave them some really cool and very special and specific instructions about how they were to live, important rhythms of their life, that he, that he outlined in the law that were to get them into what things that would remind them of God's goodness and also show others what God was truly like, hmm. what living in his ways would be like. Because, you know, people often wonder, like, oh, what's it going to be like to be a Christian? Well, you won't go to hell. Yeah, but what about next week? Can yeah, I still exactly. have a beer? Can I, can I go bowling? Can I dance? You know, or yeah. whatever. Like, so God gave Israel these rhythms to show people what it would be like to live with him and, and what kind of life it would actually produce. The results of this. I was I was just talking to one of my kids the other day, and a good friend of ours, who uh, grew up with some faith, but he's had a pretty rough, some pretty rough patches. Sure. And he would say it's all my own choices, right? Okay. But recently, he's really like God's really gotten a hold of his heart, wow. and he hangs out with Team K a lot and all. And he's going like, I've never, I've never had been a better place in my life, a happier, more at peace. Wow. The, the the life it's producing, it's yeah. like. And he said he said something very similar. This is like when you live in God's ways. Like the way he's ordered life, i.e., yep. the kingdom. Yeah. <laughs> like things go great, you know, in comparison to when Absolutely, you're the king. Man. Yeah. Okay. And so now you move on in this covenant, and God had, had mandated for Israel a series of annual festivals and celebrations to be participated year after year in rhythm mm -hmm. every year without fail. And these festivals all served as reminders of how the people were to actually live out their lives every day, not, during, not just during the festival. Right. So when they're doing and we're going to spend a little time on this, but when they're doing a certain festival and they go like, wow, God's a good provider. He's generous. The point wasn't like, isn't this a great party? And isn't God generous? Look at the wine we have, you know, or look at look at look how much grain or how much food, you know, sure. it's like, yeah. And in fact, and he doesn't change next week or the next 51 weeks either. And we get to live generously and trusting him all year, right? Yeah. That was the pattern. But it's interesting, he chose to do that not through a series of readings <laughs> yeah, right. or a series of, you know, sermons, you know, or, you know, stone tablets, read one of these every once in a while. It was like through a series of parties and feasts and celebrations. Isn't that fascinating? And one of his laws was that they, and we've talked about this in the show before, that uh, they were to set aside a tenth of all of their, like, grain and food yep. and, and stuff to pre-fund the festival rhythm. <laughs> So cool. I mean, it's just like we're serious about partying. It's part of the law. Yeah, and we're actually saving up for and it. And a lot of a lot of people. I wasn't taught that growing up, but it's true. <laughs> you know? Well, let's walk through um, each of the festivals and their intended purposes, because it seems apparent that these festivals, these feasts that we find all throughout Scripture, actually serve a really important point and purpose more than we typically would give attention to. They they really did. And even though we you know we don't live now uh, under the law, 
because it's all been completed in Christ. But there's still pointers to, and we actually could have all these festivals. It wouldn't be like anti the cross, right? You yeah. know? But they are really important, and and they all served a really huge purpose. Now we could do seriously, we can do an episode on each one of them. <laughs> I'm not joking, and I, we fun. don't have time for that. But I'm gonna do like the quickest little dance through all of them, just to give you kind of the idea. Of what was God showing His people? Why did He mandate this? Like, why was it part of the law? Right? Sure. Okay. So first off, we see in Leviticus, the Lord says to Moses, uh, "Speak to the Israelites and." say to them, these are my appointed feasts, the appointed feasts of the Lord, which you're to proclaim as sacred assemblies, okay? So like he's going, here's the list, and don't miss these. These are sacred, you know, like kind of like our family dinner nights. (laughs) Um, And and, and then he starts off, the first one is actually a weekly rhythm. It's the Sabbath. He goes, there's six days when you may work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of rest, a day of sacred assembly. And so the first command is actually a weekly celebration, and it's a it's a day of rest. Now we've talked about this before. It the gospel connection here is it's a way of showing that we can rest in his care. We can rest in Christ's completed work. We don't have to earn anything, prove anything. We're not actually our own provision. Sure. The talents that you have, Heath, which are many, and and I you're one of the hardest working guys I've ever met in my life. You're ultimately not your own provision. God mm. is. He's giving you this avenue to be a blessing to others and to to feed your family and be a blessing to them. But you can rest, and that's why it's important to have that celebration of Sabbath. Hmm. Many people don't see Sabbath as a celebration, but it's it's listed under that. It's listed as an appointed celebration and assembly and feast, okay? So, you know, I wonder, how are we doing at that rhythm? Hmm. You know, are are we actually seeing Sunday as like, man, that's like party day, and that's a day when I get reminded in my heart that Christ, when he said it was finished, it was it finished. It actually was, yeah. These are full provision in every way that we need to be provided for. Sure. Nothing to earn. We can actually rest. Yep. It's part of the creational order, right? How are we doing at that? Okay. Now, real quickly, uh, there was the Passover festival. It was God's deliverance from slavery. It was at the end of all those those plagues and stuff with yep. Moses and Pharaoh and the Egyptians and all that, right? That was a big one. And they celebrated that year after year. And, and the gospel picture there was, it looked forward to Christ's completely fulfilling everything and our release from slavery, right? Hmm. That we could trust in God's plan of deliverance through Christ's shed blood. I mean, that whole Passover story with the lamb's blood on the doorpost, it was all this big picture of the cross. Yeah. And they celebrated it. And if you've never done uh, a Seder, like you oh, have, yeah, right? Have. It's they amazing. are amazing. Get get out there and like Google. There's like there's sort of like completed in Christ Seder, you know, Haggadahs, which is the booklet you follow. Yep. They are beautiful. So they celebrated that all the time, and it reminded them of like, oh, we've been redeemed by Christ and His blood and set free from slavery, like save slavery to sin, slavery to self. Okay, there was the the feast of unleavened bread. Okay, okay. and that. Um, that was such a cool thing. The preparation was uh, they searched throughout the house and they removed leaven, which is like yeast, yep. right, uh, from the house. And it actually began before Passover. So I'm not necessarily doing these in like uh, monthly like order or whatever. Yeah, yeah right. Um, but the, the wife would go out and clean the whole house and remove all the leaven. And in the Bible, leaven in, for Israel it was like symbolic of sin. And in cleaning the house, the wife was instructed to to purposely leave 10 little small pieces of leaven here and there, okay? okay? And the father, isn't this beautiful? The father would take the kids by the hand along with a candle and a wooden spoon and a feather and a piece of linen, sort of old linen cloth. And then he searches through the house with the kids for the 10 pieces of leaven. And then when he would find them, they would sweep them with the feather up into the cloth, right? Okay. And wrap them up. Was it sounding like anything? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Like sin <laughs> is now wrapped up. And then it's thrown out, It's right? Um, 
And they don't touch the leaven. That's why they use the feather and a spoon, and they're wrapped in that cloth, and then they cast it out of the door of the house. Whoa. Right? And this is a huge picture of the burial of Christ. Yeah, absolutely. It's just getting them ready. So, and, and you got to believe this. When Jews saw, okay, Jesus taken down, wrapped in these strips of cloth, oh, yeah. removed, taken out, buried. Like deja vu. Ding, ding, ding. They were like, yeah. oh my gosh, we've done this. We've done this every year, year yeah. after year after year. What's going on? What's the connection here? Right? Oh, Beautiful, right? The spoon represented to them the tree that Jesus died upon. Leaven mm. was the sin. Oh my gosh. It's just on wow. and on. There again, I could teach. They had another festival of first fruits. And so uh, when the standing, like, ripe harvest of barley and wheat and other things was ready to be reaped, the, the, the families would take one sheaf from the standing harvest and bring it to the priest. Hmm. So, like, one big, huge leaf, right? Yep. And that lone sheaf was called the sheaf of the first fruits. And the priest was then to take this one sheaf, and he was to wave it before the Lord in the house. Hmm. Okay, right? Now, three times a year, God commanded the people to come to Jerusalem, spring, summer, and fall for different different for different festivals, okay? okay. All three of these festivals are agricultural feasts, right, and harvest festivals. Passover was the barley one. Pentecost, the giving of the law, was a wheat harvest. Both of these festivals are first fruits harvests, though, okay? Huh. So what you're doing is, um, and by the way, and then there was a final harvest one. So you see what's going on here? Yep. So what they're doing is they're showing that, hey, God is our provision. He is he is to be put first among all. You mm. can trust him for your provision. You can bring the very first of your crop and give it away. You're like, you've been waiting. Yeah. You've been waiting all spring, part of summer. Like, is it going to come? Is there enough? I don't know. It looks a little thin this year. Like, and think about it. The theme of the festival of first fruits, it's resurrection, it's salvation. Jesus was the firstborn of Mary. Jesus is the first begotten of God, right? Yeah. He's the firstborn of every creature, it says in Colossians 1. He's the first begotten from the dead. Revelations 1 says that. He's the firstborn of many brethren. He's the first fruits of the resurrected ones. I mean, it's just on, on and on and on. on. Yeah. It's just, right? Um, then there was Pentecost. That was the celebration that we see, like, you know, we call it Pentecost when, like, the tongues of fire fell and they were speaking in tongues. Right. They were actually there celebrating one of these feasts, which was the giving of the Torah, the first five books, giving of the law. And, you know, God was originally give it, gave the, the law, the Torah, to Moses up on a cloud, uh, up on a mountain, rather, and it said it was all like a big, huge cloud up there, and it looked like fire, and that's where God spoke to Moses and gave him the law. Now, it's interesting, because Torah, which is the first five books, right, the Torah, right. the law, commonly translated as law in English, doesn't really mean law, but it means instructions, or teachings. And by understanding that that's what that means, the Torah means instructions, right. we can see the Torah was never intended, nor should it ever be understood as a code of do's or don'ts, but rather it should be seen as God's instruction and teaching and how we can understand him better, how we can live in covenant with him, how we can live in his ways. Hmm. Now, what's going on there? The gospel, in the gospel picture, is it's, it's looking forward to Jesus pouring out his spirit. Because remember, yep. at, at Pentecost... Oh, yeah. It was a celebration of the giving of the original law, but then God pours out his spirit upon them, and yep. they spoke, and, and Jesus says, when the spirit comes, you'll be led in all the ways of truth. It'll, re yep. it'll remind you of everything I've taught you. You'll exactly. have all the same power I did, and you'll do even all the things I did and even greater things. Yep. That's what's going on at that, when they celebrated Pentecost. They were getting Jeez. ready for that. That is crazy. And now here's another thing. I've got to drop the dime on us here real quick. So when Moses was up receiving the first... It, at the first, what became Pentecost at the first giving of the law. Right. Remember, he came down and like the Israelites were going nuts and they had built a golden calf oh, yeah. and they were partying naked and going crazy, right? <laughs> God said he was going to wipe them all out and Moses begged God not to. Yeah. Stood, stood in front of him. Right. And he, and, he, and he said, 
and and God said, okay, I won't. But those everybody who I won't wipe out the nation and start over. But those who participated, yeah, the, goners, know, yeah, they're goners. Yeah, and it said about three thousand died that day. Now, interesting. Jump ahead to Pentecost. Peter and the boys, upper room. They get the spirit. Peter goes out in the balcony, explain what's going on. Everybody's speaking in tongues, and it says, "And about three thousand believed that day." There was fire. There was clouds in the house that came down on them. It's the oh same gosh. exact picture over and holy yeah, cow. You can't miss it if you're Jewish. <laughs> you yeah, know? yeah, sure. Right. Okay, next one. I got. I got to pick it up. You're kind of getting the idea, though, right? There was the Feast of Trumpets, the Rosh Hashanah. It's the Jewish New Year, and this was like sort of the announcing of the King is coming. Hmm. But for us, the King has come. Yep. And we now live in His kingdom, and, and we have His Spirit, and we, you know, right? So it was. It's just. It was a huge picture. Um, there was the Feast of Tabernacles, which is really a cool one too. It's called Sukkot. Okay, it was their yeah. final festival, and it, yeah, it's usually translated as tabernacle, tabernacles or the festival of booths, and, and it occurred for seven days, usually September, October, and um, what they did was they made these little tents, these little Sukkots, they were temporary dwellings or like a little booth, and then they, they would live in them during that festival, hmm. and it was remi- they were remembering the entering in uh, to the promised land when Israel was traveling, Yeah, because of all the, you know, there was grumbling, but then God provided, and there was Every complaining, day, yeah. and God provided, and it's like, well, now we need water, and we need, we want meat, like, we're do- done with this manna, like, here's yep. birds, you know, to the point they were sick, I'm sick of chicken, you know, <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> right, and all that, so there again, they, they did this, and it's, it's just beautiful, it's like Exodus 29:44. so I will consecrate the tent of meeting and the altar and will consecrate Aaron, that was the first high priest, and his sons to serve me as priests, then I will dwell among them and be their God. Hmm. And so they were celebrating that. Gosh. And it was this remembrance, and it was a day of fulfillment, and like, we're gonna make it, and the promised land is there, and God has made his dwelling among us. Yeah, with us. With yeah. us, and that's more of the Holy Spirit, and the fact that he never, I will never leave you or forsake you. I mean, it's just, I mean, gosh, I could teach for going, hours man. and hours in this. <laughs> you know? I think it's a fascinating, and I think it's so beautiful that God actually mandated this as a series of festivals. It's not suggestions, but he wanted there to be a rhythm participated in every year without fail. And something that's fascinating is that these festivals all served as reminders of how the people were actually to live their everyday life throughout the year. Um, that's right. Not just not just during the festivals, but once the festival ended, you stay as a celebratory people. So how does that relate to us today? How do you, how would you combine those two? Well, that you've nailed it. You've nailed it, Heath. That's it. The, 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 those celebrations that they did in rhythm and they looked forward to and pre-funded and all that, they were always a demonstration of our trusting God for all of our different needs. Everything. So it wasn't just our salvational, spiritual needs, but it was physical needs, and it was joy, and it was freedom and release, sure. and all you know, all of that, right? A way of showing that we rest in His care and not our own. But those celebrations also served as reminders for the family of God and a demonstration to the rest of the watching world. Hmm. And that's where Israel started getting into the sin. They thought, this is all for us. But God had said, no, you're going to be a kingdom of priests. Well, what do priests do? They're advocates between people. Like, yeah. let us show you God. Let us show you what he's like. Yep. And everybody thinks like, oh, you couldn't go to those festivals if you weren't Jewish. That's not even true. Anyway, so, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and and by the way, a little side note, um, a word about our church services, they're also able, and I think we see the pattern in Scripture in the New Testament, the same thing, that what we do on Sunday is is gets to be both a reminder and a demonstration, a reminder of who God is, what he's done in Christ, what's now true of us, and a demonstration of how we get to live now all week, how others are watching, and what's it demonstrating? God's goodness, our trust in him, his faithfulness, and not just for our afterlife, but in every area of life, Yeah, right? So... You know, one thing that we hear of from listeners of the show, and it's a, I wouldn't say it's an uncommon comment to us, 
is feedback from people who are really sensitive or concerned uh, when it comes to the connection of alcohol consumption to celebration. Sure. Um, and rightly so. You can't know, like really it, talk about celebration in this day and age and culture without saying, well, what about drinking? Yeah, what about absolutely. alcohol? Yeah. Uh, why do you think that our culture so closely relates celebration to the drinking of alcohol? You know, that's a good question. I don't, I don't know why our culture, I, I mean, you, you know, you live in a bubble in a sense, right? You know, historically, our family, when we had family get-togethers grew up, there was some there was either some beers or there wasn't a lot of wine growing up, maybe at Christmas or something, you know, sure. there was some highballs or this or that, or, <laughs> and there was also abuse. And we're going to talk about that in a second. Um, but it, it just, it seems that um, like, I mean, let's just jump way back. Jesus first miracle. What's, what's he do? He shows up at a wedding feast. Mm-hmm. So it's a celebration. And his very first public miracle out of the box is he turns a couple hundred gallons of water into the best wine they'd had thus far in yep. a party, right? And the wine steward flips out a little bit. And, you know, they're wondering why. Um, so apparently, alcohol, yep. and we're not talking about abuse of alcohol, but the consumption of alcohol has been a part of cultural celebrations. I know all the way back in China, it was the same oh, way. Yeah. You know, it's been, it, it just has been. Yep. Um, does it have to do with relaxation? Probably. Does it have to do with uh, loosening up uh, of our emotions and maybe willingness to, to hear others? I don't know, because some people are happy drunks and some people are mean drunks. You shouldn't be drunk. That's part, you know, yeah, part of the sure. problem. But it's interesting because the Bible actually mentions, at least in the King James Version, where I could do a more accurate search, it was like 238 or more times that alcohol is brought up. And it, and it's brought up for, with warnings and also part of feasts and use for medicine, all kinds of different ways. Right. Um, and I think I think it's boiled down for us right now. I think there's three dominant views about alcohol and connection to celebration and how Christians view it. Okay. Okay, so first there's the prohibitionist. And they believe strongly that the Bible teaches that alcohol consumption is totally forbidden by Scripture. Okay. Okay. I'm sure some people listening to us today, they go, yep, that's what I believe. Um, I would I would say, please write us in or jump on the Life School yeah, the Facebook, you know, group, yeah. Facebook group and show me where it's forbidden in Scripture. I don't think it is. Hmm. Okay. The abuse of things are. Sure. Right? Um, abuse of all kinds of things. Like we said earlier, uh, sin is things that God created good and for his glory that we've abused yep. or we take too far or we make it about me. Yep. Okay. Okay, prohibitionist. That's one view. Abstentionist, although the, they would say that although the Bible doesn't expressly forbid the drinking of alcohol and alcoholic beverages, the, com- the consumption of alcohol in today's society, it's reckless and it's so abused that it shouldn't be condoned. We just shouldn't mm. do it. Okay. They're not saying the Bible doesn't say that. They're just going, it's better, it's safer. You should just abstain. Okay. Yep. Then there's the moderationist. And this view maintains that alcohol is permitted for Christians as long as it's consumed in moderation and in a careful manner. Hmm. Okay. It really has to do, I'm going to say, with the attitude of your heart that's behind it. Sure. It, that's really, so wherever you fall on that, and, and, and I'll tell you where I fall, you know, I would say that I'm a moderationist. Um, but check this out, and here's why. 1 Corinthians 10.30. If I take part in the meal with thankfulness, why am I denounced because of something I thank God for? So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Hmm. Now, remember, Jesus hung out and ate and drank so often that he was called a glutton and a drunkard. Oh, yeah. So he was clearly not a prohibitionist or abstentionist. He was a moderationist, yeah. <laughs> you know, right? Yeah. First Corinthians 16, 3, a little further on, Paul goes on and says, Be on guard, be on your guard, stand firm in your faith, be men of courage, be strong, do everything in love. Hmm. So, so this gives us some, some parameters of things. Hmm. See, Christ 
And his redemption is the point. Just like in all the celebrations we saw that God gave Israel to observe, they all pointed to the redemptive work of Christ. All things and always restored to the Father. Faith, love, and redemption. That, that's, Heath, that's our motivation yeah. for our celebrations. Faith, love, and redemption. Redemption's the point, not prohibition, moderation, or abstention. Okay. You know, I think the way we could tie that in is it seems like uh, what you're ultimately saying is that the way we celebrate, the way that we drink, and the way that we eat, it's supposed to remind us of God's continued blessing in our life through Christ. And we actually get to show our culture, I think, yep. what it looks like to celebrate under the Lord in the way that we celebrate in our own lives. Would you agree with that? That's right. And it, But it, like anything, just like making disciples or raising our kids, it takes intentionality. Hmm. Are we drinking for our glory or celebrating in a way that shows we have one God that we trust in for our identity and we are celebrating as a way of honoring him? Hmm. Do we drink honor or dishonor upon God and the reputation of Christ? Hmm. Okay. So the church, I just want to say the church the Bride of Christ is a redemptive community. We live not only the experience of redemption, I'm redeemed and being redeemed, but also we participate in the works of redemption with mm. God, that, that God's using us to redeem others. That's why our mission is both words and works, speaking and doing redemption. And if, if we're working out our salvation through being redeemed and redeeming, yep. then our response to cultural abuses is not to abstain when we see the abuse, but to redeem it. Hmm. That not only pushes us to maturity by teaching us how to eat and drink and have sex and everything else to the glory of God, though it doesn't always come easy, but it's also a witness to the world that God is a redeemer. So, So in this case, like, to take it broader, we'd say, like, the pervert would throw away pornography, which is abuse, and and learns how to love sex properly with his wife. That'd Hmm. be redemption, right? Yeah. Keeping the marriage bed holy. Or the glutton refuses to go back to the buffet line five times. That'd be abuse of God made food good and learns that food is a gift from God and learns how to serve others. That would be redemption. Or the alcohol abuser in today's case stops drinking until drunk. That would be abuse and learns to stop after a beer or two. Yeah. Right? Because they're they're thinking, I don't want to drink to my glory or, or, you know, something in a way that does not show off what God's like. Yeah. And, and here's really important. I think as long as we make the issue abstinence or abstaining or retracting from culture, this, yeah. this would go for any sin, not just alcohol. Sure. We'll miss expressing and embodying redemption is possible for that too. Hmm. Right. I'm a, and I'm afraid that the message that we accidentally send is that good things can be perverted beyond redemption. So if you're a Christian and you're at a party, you're like, no, 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 I'm a Christian. That's why I don't drink. It's just too harmful. What you're saying is to people, well, the gospel transforms all things and redeems all things, but not that. Except, yeah. And then they have to wonder, well, what about my issue? What about my marriage? What about, yeah, I have looked at pornography and it's become sort of a habit. Or or this, or my language, or that, or or whatever, my thought life, or, yeah. you God's know. not big enough to redeem. He's it. not big enough to reach in and redeem this, and you're all saying that's the case. Hmm. So I have to wonder. That's so good, what, man. So what we do is we reduce the gospel. <laughs> yeah. We reduce the gospel. So again, it's not, it's not about if you do or you don't. And so, you know, people say all the time, like, you guys bring up, you know, having beers or wine or partying, it's your things a whole lot. Or you do cigar and theology, and I know you drink scotch there, yeah. and some guys do and some guys don't. And see, and that's the point. Some guys do and some guys don't. Yep. I don't even smoke cigars anymore, and it's, it's the rare scotch or whiskey that sure. I'll have. But the point is, are we doing it 
unto the Lord. Yeah. You know, are we doing it in a way that honors and serves others? And what's the point of our meals, if we drink or don't drink, how we serve, do we stick around and help clean up because we're showing that we're servants like Christ and we want to bless others? All of it falls really into that same category. Yeah, I remember it's the here, heart behind it. I remember reading this book once and it was just a sentence that stuck out to me. And this was years ago and it said, um, the difference between the way Christians and those who don't yet know Jesus, their approach to drinking is that those who don't yet know Jesus drink to forget, and Christians always drink to remember. And I thought that was a cool way of like remembering. Huh. Like, what, you, what does that mean? I think it's like the bread and the wine, like remember oh, me, like do gotcha. this in remembrance of me. Remember that you are a redeemed well, people. Well, you know there's, and there's, there's Christians will say like, no, that wasn't really wine. You know, that's not. <laughs> yeah, grape sorry. juice. Come yeah, on. it's not. And then Jesus also said that, that, that he's, when he comes back yeah. <laughs> again, that he's going to drink, lift a glass and drink. Wine yeah, with wine all with the saints. So I'm like, wow, if you're abstaining now, like, are you going to like all of a sudden decide to drink wine when Jesus gets back? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jesus oh can't redeem himself. Anyway. All right, man, let's get to the, uh, let's get to the big three, um, which is for those who are new listeners or those who have been busy running around while they're listening to us, to us talk right now, the big three are the three boiled down takeaways that we want you to have for free. You get them as a free download by going to 123lifeschool.com forward slash big three. Caesar, big three for this week. Okay, so here's the big three. I hope you'll go get them, but I'm going to say them right now. So first one is, don't forget, celebration is a rhythm and connection that God gave us to remind us of what is true of him and how we now get to live all of life. Hmm. So party unto the Lord. (laughs) That's our reminder that whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. So just stop and think about it. Like, hey, am I going to drink at this party tonight or not? I don't know what's going on. Is this going to glorify God or not? Yeah. Or like, hey, I've already had a beer or two. Do I need another one? Like, mm-hmm. ask yourself, am I, am I doing this for the glory of God? So that, yep. that's, that's a simple little catch there, right? Yeah. So That's great. Second thing, if you don't believe that Christians should be the most celebratory people in the world and show it to others, why? I would just ask why. Hmm. And if you've been raised with strong convictions regarding the drinking of alcohol, have you given that area of your life and others over to the Lord? Like, so they can decide for themselves and trust him to redeem that. Like I said, in my family, there's been abuse of it. Yep. There's been abuse of it. My, my uh, father was an alcoholic. His father died at 36 of alcoholism. I have to oh, watch wow. that very carefully sure. in my life. And I'll be honest, there's been times when I go like, I don't think that that, that last beer was under the Lord. Yep. That was Caesar's. Oh, I've been there too, man. You know? yep. and, and I'm not proud of it. And I don't want that. And I don't want to model that either. But if I have, I also get to say, but God's forgiven that and he's redeeming yep. that in me. See, Absolutely. And I don't, so... So again, I think that if we think the line is set at abstaining or retracting from culture, so I go to parties because people usually drink and I don't like to be around or I don't like to taste it or whatever, then we'll miss expressing and embodying redemption. And I, I really am afraid that we'll send the wrong message that good things in all areas of our lives can be perverted beyond redemption. Mm-hmm. So then where's the hope? Yep. Right? You're right. All right. Third one is a question. In what ways and rhythms are you celebrating regularly as a family and together as the church or in your community that both experiences redemption and offers it to others? Hmm. You know, like what are the things you're doing and celebrating that you're doing it in the redeemed manner, not yeah. in the abused manner, and you offer it to others in that way? You know, so like are people coming to your parties and going, it's cool to get to party with people that aren't going nuts and blowing it and sloppy drunk and they're not fighting all the time and your family's not that way. And it's, it's cool because in my family, it's not right. Right. So the church is a family. It's God's family and healthy families eat and celebrate together often. So your meals and parties can serve as both a reminder and a demonstration of what God and his family is like. 
Hmm. Right. And then it can open you up to live generous lives with everyone. So let's yeah. party. <laughs> let's party. If you haven't yet joined the Facebook group, which we've already talked about on this episode, just go to Facebook up in the top type life school podcast. Caesar, I will approve you to the group where we have discussion and this would be a good conversation to just go like, how oh, are you partying? I think, I think it's going to light up. Some yeah. people are going to tear us up on this and they'll, and, and I know there's a zillion more nuances. Well, what about this situation? What sure. about that? This is the overarching story of God and how he interacts with his people yep. and wants to demonstrate and remind us and we get to. Yeah. Yes, there's a million little nuances and situations and got to be wise and thank God we have the spirit for that. Amen. <laughs> yeah. Join us next week when we talk about why apologetics usually makes for some pretty poor evangelism. It's going to be a hard one for some to hear mm. because a lot of our evangelism currently, the techniques are taught us to draw off of apologetics. Mm-hmm. But we're going to show why that might not be the best approach. Might, might not be. Yeah, so be with us next apologetics Monday. Apologetics might just be a dirty word. <laughs> Uh-oh, we'll find Uh-oh. out. <laughs> Thanks for joining us today. For more information, you can visit 123lifeschool.com forward slash podcast.